Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody here today. Glad to have some visitors from out of town. Thank you for being here. I wish you well on your way. And glad to have some others who are with us, perhaps for the first time in a while. Uh, we're glad you're here. We truly mean it on the front of the door where we say all are welcome. So please, please come be with us and worship God at every opportunity that you have. Uh, we're very thankful to have our brothers and sisters at Knowles with us. Uh, we think about you and pray about you uh, all uh, throughout the, the week. And I know that you'll be watching this later. Uh, you're a part of us every bit as much as those who are here. So uh, we love all of you. Um, we're going to be looking at the first addition to our faith in our series from 2 Peter chapter 1, titled It All Adds Up. And again, I'm not sure that's exactly a conservative looking attic machine there, whatever color that is. What is that? Is that a cyan? Is that a teal? What would you call that? Turquoise. Uh, turquoise. Okay. Cyan's probably pretty close to it. I don't know. It kind of reminds me maybe of Jackson. But we're looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. Now, if you look at the bottom of your handout, I mean, intended something for any of our youngsters who were here to keep them focused. So all of you are going to be the substitute youngsters today. Uh, there are going to be words on each slide, many times one, sometimes two, that are going to be in a different color, going to be red. And so those little dashes at the bottom on the right side, if you look down at the bottom of where the handout is, those are intended for the words that are in red. So if there's a pen, uh, pencil nearby, you have one there, try to remember to scribble that as we go through, because when, before we're done, I want to ask what the sentence says. Again, it was intended to keep the young people focused on things. Last week, they actually were adding things up with a calculator. And every time they saw the word faith, they were doing a plus one. So we're trying to make sure that we capture the attention and the minds of younger people when they're here as well. So this morning, we're picking up here. Oh, wait, wait, look at that. Actually, a word in red up here, so it has already started. We're adding things to our faith. Second Peter chapter one, verses five through seven. For this very reason, because we have left worldly desires, we have left sinful behavior. We are now members of God's family. Because of this, we need to, using all diligence, be purposeful about it, make it intentional, work at it, add to our faith. We talked about faith last week. The understanding that God is real, the understanding that Jesus is real, understanding what Jesus did for us, that he came and offered himself in our place. He died to take the punishment, to pay the price for our own wrong choices. And because of that, we have hope to go home to live with God. Because when we were living for ourselves, we separated ourselves from God. We made our own choices and there was nothing we could do on our own to fix that, right? No duct tape was gonna fix it. Think about people fixing flat tires with duct tape. Nothing we were gonna be able to do was gonna be able to fix that problem, that gulf between us and God. Jesus had to come and fix that. We need to understand that and believe it. When we understand and believe that, that's the first step, if you will, in making further changes to our lives. Add to our faith virtue. Virtue is what we're talking about this morning. To virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. We're going to be busy for the next few weeks as we study each one of these things that we add to our faith. 
So we should have these qualities as members of God's family do we have them. What does God want his children to be? So we're going to dig into the idea of virtue here this morning. At your faith, virtue. The word translated virtue here appears four times in the New Testament. Three times in First and Second Peter. So it's very important to Peter. To Peter's message to members of God's family. To really understand what Peter, what God wants us to add to our faith, I'm going to apologize. They tell speakers, don't ever apologize, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're going to need to go on a detour. Because the English word virtue, which is in most of the translations, doesn't really tell us what Peter intended. It doesn't really tell us what Peter, reading this for the first time, or hearing this for the first time, would have understood this. The word virtue there is not a theological word. Look at that, another red word. The word here that's translated virtue is not a theological word. It's a very commonly used Greek word, the language of the original Bible text in the first century. What would an average Greek, an average Greek-speaking person have thought when they heard this word? The word virtue is coming from the Latin basis of what was translated. Virtus is the Latin word. Why I took two years of Latin in high school, I'll never know. But that's not what's intended really by the word. So please bear with me as we look at words uh, or sentences that describe what the meaning of this word is. When an orange seed is growing into a perfect orange tree, that's a rete. A rete. When somebody heard the word arete, they might have thought about an orange seed, tiny little orange seed, right? We usually get them, spit them out, throw them away. But when you plant that and it grows and blossoms into the perfect orange tree, that's what's meant by this word. This word would have described that kind of growing into perfection. A good cutting knife is said to be an excellent knife. That's displaying its arete. Have any knives in the house? You got some that are kind of pitiful knives, right? It seems to not even cut butter, but you got something else. Boy, if I need to cut something, right? The perfect knife would be described by this word. A field that's very fertile, that's growing its crops, that's busting over with the wheat or the corn, as far as the eye could see, that is a retin. That is what's described by this word. A country is said to be showing a rete when its citizens are happy and thriving. It's showing excellence, if you will, as a country. The first aspect of a rete is for something to be reaching its best potential, what God wants from his children. So the first thing I want to know about adding to my faith this virtue God wants me to develop to be the best I can be, to reach my potential, not as the best accountant, not as the best athlete, not as the best whatever, but to be the best child of God that I can be, to be the best person in the world who's different from what everybody else in the world did very, very much alike. I need to reach my best potential. That's the first aspect that the person walking in the street 2,000 years ago would have understood if they had heard this word. When you set a new personal best time running around a track, that's a record. 
when you study hard for a test, just did that here with finals not too long ago. When you study hard for a test and get a good grade that you know you would not have received and you put in the effort, that's a record. When you focus on being nice and not saying mean things to others and you succeed at being nice, that's also a record. So a second dimension of arete is this concept of great effort. We want to reach our best potential, but we need to work at it. We need to concentrate on it. We need to put in the effort. Right? People doing their best. Now notice, to do my best, for you to do your best, doesn't mean I have to defeat people. You know, in a prize fight, right? One person wins and the other loses. In a football game, one team wins and the other loses. We're talking about people competing, if you will, against themselves. Doing their best. Doesn't matter what anybody else has done. And am I putting in my best effort? Am I doing the best I can to reach my full potential and to show excellence? We do our absolute best. Now, if we were all running in a race, some of us will be faster than others, right? Thurl and I, it suggests we might be toward the end of the track. Gina, the great hiker going up 2,000 foot cliffs, might be in front of us. That's not what we're talking about. This is not a competition against, amongst ourselves. It's a competition with ourselves to do the best I can do. If I have a problem being hateful, being ugly in how I interact with people, how I talk to people. I need to put in the effort to change that and become better. That's the kind of thought people would have heard in their minds and would have met when they were using this word that is translated virtue. The third aspect's coming next. Finishing an obstacle course, graduating from school, raising children to become adults, all of these are written. To achieve a purpose and to pursue excellence means one will have to overcome obstacles. To remain on the course in the middle of a challenge requires a record. <clears throat> Classic example of this, again, back from Greek history, that the Greek 2,000 years ago, the person walking the streets, would have associated with this word and with this idea was Odysseus. In the ancient Greek history, they had the Trojan War, right? You had uh, Agamemnon, the king of Mycenae, all these words that are hard to pronounce, whose wife Helen was stolen away. Helen, the face that launched a thousand ships. And she was taken away to Troy on the other side of the ocean. And he wanted her back. And so for ten years, they went over and fought, we are told, before the walls of Troy. You had... Uh, Achilles, right, the great warrior, I was thinking Brad Pitt was the Achilles, probably doing a, a diminishment there to Achilles, but I don't know. But they were fighting to bring Helen back. And on the journey back, Odysseus ran into all sorts of troubles. He was gone for a long time. He had all sorts of obstacles that we have recorded about him. I mean, all these different things. What a great adventure story. I've never seen a movie about him as a kid. Odysseus the Wanderer, to be the success he was, required overcoming challenges and obstacles. <clears throat> that would have been the exemplification, the perfect example of a retic. So the third dimension of this word 
is to possess the bravery and courage. Courage is very much implied in this word because it takes courage to face an obstacle and to try to get over it. The easy thing to do is to just give up. It takes courage to get up every morning trying to reach my best potential, trying to do my best, and trying to overcome obstacles to show courage in attacking myself to become a better person. So you think about these qualities, I need to focus on trying to reach my best potential, putting in great effort, doing the best I can, not merely shuffling around the track, but trying to do my best. Possessing bravery and courage to persevere, to hang in there. All of these can be summarized, if you will, by excellence, as in these previous things we've been seeing. Don't miss these other meanings of reaching my best potential. So before we go even further, right, we're going to look at some verses in the New Testament that show what this is talking about. Before we see those, I want us to ask ourselves a question. In terms of trying to be one of God's children, to try to reflect how Jesus wants me to be, <coughs> have I been putting in great effort or have I just been kind of bouncing along? Have I been really focusing on trying to be reach my best potential? What's the best I can become as a Christian, as a member of God's family. Do I have an obstacle that's put before me and it's like, well, nobody can blame me for not trying now. Or do I have the courage to try to get up again and do better, to overcome? Let's see what, let's see what God wants us to be here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Once we have faith in God, as we've said, once we have faith, once we have confidence that God is real, that Jesus loved us and died for us to save us from our own mistakes, we're to put in every effort, put in diligence in all that we do to put in all the effort required to reach our full potential as a servant of God and not be distracted by obstacles. To have the bravery to persevere. Look at how God says this in other verses here in the New Testament. Hopefully everybody has the red word on that. Hopefully that fast. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. A few verses earlier in 2 Peter chapter 1, we're reading God's, His, it says His in the verse that's referring to God. God's divine power has granted to us, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us to His glory and excellence. That's the word I read that right there. He has called us to leave the way we used to be and to become the kind of people who are excellent people, who are people who put in their best effort, who do their best, who overcome obstacles, who are going to be his people, different in a world of people who are living for themselves. Actually, a few verses later on in 1 Peter chapter 2, the word shows up again. Remember, I said it shows up four times. Peter uses it three of the four times. He says to these people who are God's people, you are a chosen race. God sent his son to die for you. You're a special people who have accepted his son and come to live for him. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a different people. A people for his own possession. God wants you for his people. He wants to love us, as it were, right? Why? Why does he want us to be different? Why does he want us to be his people? 
that we may proclaim the excellencies of him. That's the word. That's the word. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. All these things we're supposed to become are qualities of God himself. And as Brett read, as we try to become more God-like, more godly, as we grow to be the kind of people God wants, we need to talk about how wonderful, how excellent, how fabulous God is. Because he brought us out of darkness, not just into his light. You see the extra word right there? If we believe, and I do, that God has inspired the Bible, every word is there for a reason. God simply hasn't brought me out of darkness into light. God simply hasn't flipped a light switch to suddenly where I was in darkness, now I can see everything. It's an incredible light. Think about the difference between a light bulb and a fabulous holiday display. Right? When the light bulb goes on, I don't usually go, ooh, wow, look at that. But I've been places where I'm just like, the kind of light God has brought us into in some ways causes our, our inward our jaw to drop open. Because it's incredible. It's incredible that God would love me, sinful as I was, to allow Jesus to die for me, sinful as I was, so that I could become the kind of person he wants me to be. And I need to proclaim that. I need to talk about that. I need to say how wonderful, how excellent God is because he brought me out of darkness into his marvelous light. The other use of the words over in Philippians chapter 4. Paul uses it this time. He says, finally, brothers, finally. Remember we said this in, about the study of the book of Revelation earlier. When you get toward the end, the stuff, that's where you put the really important stuff. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, that's the word. If there's anything worthy of praise, talk about these things. I'm so afraid we as Christians talk about the world's things. Seems like there's something probably going on in politics every day, right? That shouldn't be my focus. Seems like there's probably something going on in sports every day. Shouldn't be my focus. I'm really terrified because I know that I have Christian friends who may know the batting average of everybody that played on the 1969 Mets. Every player, they can tell you the batting average, can't tell you where God says we really ought to repent and be different people. They're not sure who Peter really was. I mean, I'm hopefully joking a bit. Where's my focus? I need to look at things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable. If there's anything really that should be my best potential that ought to be something that's excellent to think and talk about, that's what I need to think about. That's what I need to focus on. I think we've been duped by the world. We're focusing on things the world says are important. And that's not the way it really ought to be. Certainly to us as Christians, this involves moral choices, avoiding evil to reach our best potential. I can't become the kind of person God wants me to be if I'm still looking at things that I want to do, that I want to do. How can I come to worship God if yesterday I was violent, 
Yesterday I was uh, immoral. Yesterday I don't remember because of things that I was drinking or taking. That's not the way God wants us to be. We need to be His people and focus on these excellent things, not focus on myself. It's so much more than we might usually think of from the word virtue. If I just give you the word virtue, if you wrote a definition, you might think doing the right thing, excuse me, doing the right things. Right? Show virtue, make right choices. So, so much more than that. God expects us to put in great effort as his children to do our best to become the best people we can be and to not be distracted to finish the course. Focus on excellence because God is excellent. I think we all, all of us, have room to improve here. But we need to keep running the race, not give up, and overcome obstacles that may be in our Now, that's the last word that's in red. What's the sentence say? Somebody, somebody read it out loud. You're going to have to be very loud. Do your best to become what God calls us to be. Do your best to become what God calls us to be. That's our purpose. That's what Peter wants us to think about from having virtue added to our faith. <clears throat> so I want to ask us all, <clears throat> if you forget the rest of the words and the rest of the stuff we've talked about, let's at least remember, look at, think about that sentence. Do your best to become the kind of people God has called us to be and not be we find you don't know God. What's the first step in doing that? I want you to listen to Jesus himself. In John 8, 24, Jesus said, Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus doesn't want anyone to die in their sins. God doesn't want anyone to die in their sins. None of us want anyone to die in their sins. But you need to believe in Jesus for all that that involves to avoid dying in our sins. Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repent was a military word, it was about face. If I'm walking this way, living for myself, about face. There has to be that 180 degree change of direction. That doesn't mean we're perfect. We're still gonna make mistakes, but I have to turn around. I'm not going to be the kind of person God wants me to be if I'm still marching the same direction that I was before. And then in Mark 16, 16, Jesus speaking here again, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. The way we show that we have died to our old ways of living and that we want to be a new person is to reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to be immersed in water so that the old person can die and stay behind and as we're raised, God is the one who forgives the sins. It's not a special soap that's involved in the water. Not at all. God is the agent. God is the one who forgives sins. As Jesus said, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I really want to urge anyone here who has not done that to do it before you leave the building today. Become the kind of person God wants you to be. And if you're already a member of his family, if there's anything we can do to help you, praying for you, 
we need to continue to become the kind of people God wants us to be. Things to consider as we stand and sing.